It's never about any one person. You've got to get over yourself and realize it takes a group to get this thing done. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity, and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture. But this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. That quote was by Greg Popovich, who is one of the most successful basketball coaches, a fact that I am frequently reminded of by my basketball-obsessed partner, Pete. And this week's episode is the second in the series about being one team, and it's absolutely about realizing that it takes a village, it takes something bigger than yourself to do really great things. And to be one team, you need to be seeing yourself as a part of this broader community and making decisions from that perspective acting from that way. And there are many benefits, as we discussed in last week's episode. And if there are so many benefits, I ask myself, why is it so difficult for all of us to do this on a continual basis? What is it that limits us, that holds us back from that perspective? And that's what this week's episode is about. As is usually the case, the ego gets involved. And in this case, there's a particular type of ego response that I found gets activated in situations where there's an opportunity to be one team. And it's a response that I often call besting or wanting to be better than someone else. Another word I like to use is one-upmanship. I say it slowly because it's a word that not every culture, not every country is familiar with. And some people who are not native speakers haven't often heard it before, but it actually does describe it very well because it's about always trying to be one up or better than other people, particularly other people who are in your immediate vicinity. And by always trying to prove that, of course, you're in contradiction to the goals of a one-team culture. And the thing is that because there have been many years of hiring and promotion policies, lots of people with those traits actually do very well and may well dominate the culture. Many of the organizations I've worked in, this is probably the biggest feature that you see. So how does besting show up? It's no coincidence that the word performance really dominates organizational life. Now, the word performance used to mean to put on a show for an audience. And without the audience, there actually is no performance. So when you think about a performance, you have to then say it's either a good performance or it's a bad performance. And that is in the eyes again of the audience. So the whole thing has somehow been built up as an opportunity to show off or to show yourself up in front of other people. I actually much prefer the word achievement. I think it's a much more powerful word. That needs no adjective. But the details of achievement is really the subject of another podcast. So let me come back then to the concept of needing to perform, whether it's in a big organization or whether it's you individually, and needing to look good in the eyes of other people all the time and how that kind of distorts what we end up doing. It requires you to be better than your peers or to look better than your peers. It requires you to show that you're the smartest person in the room or that your project is the best or your contribution is the most important. 
It also, and I think this is really a key element, requires you not to show weakness or not to fail or not to make mistakes and not to make vulnerable yourself in front of others. And we all know where that ends up. So with all that going on, it's no wonder we don't have much time for other departments or other people's needs or the needs of our broader partners in an ecosystem because we're too focused on making sure we show up well in front of the people immediately around us. Or we only focus on those people when it is in our interest to do so, when it'll make us look better to do so. So that need to come out on top does produce a lot of drive and energy. And it actually, that competitive spirit does deliver results. And that's why I think it's particularly hard to confront it in any sort of organizational setting. Because the damaging aspects are often not immediate and may not ever be visible, actually, to the individual themselves, nor even sometimes to those in the immediate vicinity today. And there are many times when the drive to win against others will deliver outcomes which are aligned to the needs of the broader group, both today and in the future. However, sometimes the sales team will aggressively attack a market, outsmart the competition, establish an unassailable leadership position. But then maybe three years down the track, customers realize that they were sold something they didn't really need, so they don't repeat buy. But that sales team has moved on by then, replaced, of course, by another one, who are then out to look for new customers. Maybe that's all right. Maybe it's not. A country, just to pick something a bit topical at the moment, will win a trade war, but leaves a trail of resentment which is later used against them by a longer-term team player who they really did need to keep on side. Or a consultant badmouths to another client, a different consultant, and then later on finds that person has been appointed into a key player role where they are buying their services in a different organization. A man makes a lot of money, sees himself as superior now to most of his family members, loses touch, and later in life finds himself lonely without a support network. Then there's all the many presentations we sit through, all about show and tell, making it look very good and not really talking about the failures. So this need to prove yourself as being better than others, which stems, of course, from feeling somewhere inside of not being good enough, of needing to prove or need validation from others, is a hard one to shift. But the starting point is usually courage and the courage to show vulnerability. I talk about that in more depth, actually, in episode 114. I must say that for myself personally, at an intellectual level, I find the appeal for this wider worldview to be a very useful motivator to tackle my own tendencies to engage in that sort of besting behavior. So the bigger my worldview gets, the more I realize that I don't know everything and I have to learn. And that humility sparks curiosity, and that in itself, of course, is a form of vulnerability. So for me, I find myself equating besting with actually playing small. And the more I try and lift myself up to better see what a tiny cog I am in that bigger picture, the more I'm able to actually play one team. So wherever you want to play one team, and if you did the exercise from last week, hopefully you'll have quite a long list now, you'll have to find ways to keep in check that tendency to always prove yourself as being one up or better than other people. And the more successful you've been at work up until now, the more challenging that may be, because you have got evidence 
that demonstrates that besting actually worked for you. There is so much more, though, to be gained from playing one team well, and I'm going to cover that more in the next episodes. Today's exercise, then, focuses on transforming your need to be the best, to look good, to always come out on top, to one where actually achieving together with others means more. And so then your worldview gets broader across your organisation, but potentially across the world and into the future. The exercise comes in the form of a number of questions which helps you to reflect and is best done actually in a quiet place where you can grab a piece of paper and write down some things. So there's quite a few questions, but I'll ask them and you can always go back and listen to this again when you get another chance to listen to it more carefully. First question, in what ways has your tendency to want to look better than others served you well? And in what ways has it served others well? That's a bit more of a difficult question. And then in what ways has it hindered or limited you? And in what ways has it hindered or limited others? So with those four questions answered, just jot down any thoughts that you have, then we move on to some more. What is the underlying belief that you hold about how the world works, which leads to that behavior in you. So I'll give you a couple of examples. If I don't always look like I'm on top of everything, other people will think less of me. Or I can only win if someone else loses. Or when I show weakness, someone else will take advantage. Or maybe I'm not really good enough, so I've always got to put on a show to make myself look better than I actually feel that I am. What are those beliefs that might sit underneath for you? That's not an easy question. might take you the whole week to work out the answer to that question. (laughs) Anyway, if you get to some kind of a belief that you think might be a worldview that you have held, perhaps not as useful today as it might have been at some time in the past, not even as true as it used to be at some time in the past, then we're going to do another little thing, which is to say, how could we reframe that belief? something that would be more useful for you today, that would help you more. So here's a couple of different beliefs. I am enough. Or there is enough. There is enough reward. There is enough praise. There is enough opportunities for all of us. We would win more when we win together. One plus one can equal three. Or, you know, we can grow the pie for all. Those kind of beliefs, and people who hold those, will tend to find it much easier to move on to that bigger stage and think with that broader worldview and operate more as one team. So those are the questions to ask yourself this week in a reflective moment when you have time. See if you can get to something really meaningful and then play with that new reframe belief. Start mulling it over in your mind. See just how it might change how you see the world this week. So in the next two weeks, we're going to move past those limiting one-team factors and we'll cover two core ways of thinking and behaving that make one team really come alive. Next week, we'll be covering generosity and all that that entails. And I look forward to you joining me then. Thank you for being here today and have a good week.